I'm Mike Walsh, and you're listening to a special edition of the Between Worlds podcast, brought to you by Orange Business Services. I'm in London today, having a cup of coffee uh, with Chris White, uh, who is the global CIO of one of the world's greatest law firms, Clyde & Co. Uh, Chris, it's great to meet you. Good to meet you too. (laughs) Welcome to uh, rainy London. Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, it, it was exactly as promised. Uh, it, I was amazed coming into your um, into your office building today because it's an extraordinary design. It's like uh, Steve Jobs and Bang and Olufsen had a love child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's good. We've been here about five years now and uh, sort of moved from relatively uh, tired offices in uh, a different part of the city and uh, moved into these uh, the wonderful blue building. It, yeah. it, it's it's the very opposite of the traditional sort of mahogany. Uh, yeah. molded wall p- panels of, of the ancient law offices of old. Absolutely it is, yes. And I, I think uh, you know, it, it was deliberately designed, designed in that way so that it does reflect uh, sort of the, uh, the new progressive go-getting Kleining Co. Well, g- given that this does feel a little bit like Apple's new headquarters, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you can explain to me a little bit about why technology now has become such a relevant topic of discussion for an industry that's probably best known for being very traditional. Yes, indeed. Well, I think, um, you know, it's it, it, it's true these days that um, there are very, very few businesses out there which uh, could survive without technology. And, uh, you know, law firms uh, clearly fall into that camp. Um, the legal world, as you say, is or has been a very, very traditional, very, very conservative uh, world. And, you um, in, in many ways, the way in which we practice law today is not that dissimilar to the way it's been practiced over the, the last hundred years. You know, our job is to use our legal expertise, give advice to our clients, help them out of sticky situations, help them through various transactions. And uh, you know, that is, that is actually as, as true today as it has been for many, many years in the past. I think uh, you know, what, what is changing is the client expectations and uh, you know the the way in which clients actually want us to work with them. Um, we, we've you know, all, all all sort of been through uh, you know, the uh, or lived lived through sort of the recession. In fact, I believe today is the ten year anniversary. I read heard in the on the news this morning of sort of the the start of the major recession. And um, you know what? One of the um, f- what one of the sort of things that have resulted from that is our our clients looking for ways in which they they run their business, and uh, you know probably you know, looking for ways in which they can improve the relationship they have with some of their key providers, their key uh, sort of suppliers in the market, and that's absolutely no different to. Uh, the way in which I actually, you know, running my, my large IT department, I, I, I'm looking for a very different service for my suppliers uh, now compared to sort of how it might have been a, a number of years ago. And our clients are exactly the same. It's interesting that you, you bring up the 10-year anniversary because mm. if you think about 2007, there were those, it was two very momentous changes that happened in that year. It was not only the financial crisis, yeah. it was the introduction of the iPhone. Absolutely, yes, and, yes. And, and I think from that point on, not, not only was there a sort of an increasing cost pressure to get more from your suppliers, there mm. was a new expectation that your suppliers should work with you in a very different way. Absolutely right, yeah, that, that's it. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned the iPhone. I think a lot of the consumer technology has, has really you know, driven the, uh, the pace of change uh, within, the, within the business community. And, uh, you know, people 
um, quite rightly have said the technology I've got at home is far more sophisticated and more agile and more flexible than technology I've got in business. And I think uh, you know, businesses are slowly catching up with this. But I think you know, fundamentally what is, what, what is happening and, uh, and sort of why law firms are now putting such a focus on technology is to say we're working in a very, very different sort of business environment, business climate. Our clients are expecting different things from us, better things from us, cheaper things from us, uh, more for less, I suspect, is the, is the right way to summarise that. And um, now why is that? We've mentioned the recession, which forced a lot of businesses to really examine how they were operating, reduce their costs. Uh, we've been through a period of uh, you know, significant globalisation, you know, particularly a lot of our clients, Clyde & Co. Uh, we, uh, we, we, we specialise in, um, in insurance uh, law. Uh, we're actually the, the largest insurance-focused law firm uh, in, in the world, and around about 60% of our business comes from the major insurers. The major insurers have been through a significant sort of global expansion and globalization of their of of, uh, of their business, and uh, you know they expect us to uh, be in the places they are so that we can actually support them on a global basis. That's impacted our business. So the recession has uh, forced a lot of our clients to actually look at the relationships they've got with their with with their suppliers, of which we're one. And uh, I think the, uh, the 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 other thing is that uh, we we we've heard of the legal services act in the uh, in in the UK, uh, which many people um, compare to sort of the big bang of the financial services industry, and that's designed to introduce a lot more competition and change the very traditional way in which uh, law firms have operated in the past. All of those things conspiring uh, to, together have uh, really upped the the pace of change and made us to radically review our business model and how we actually conduct the practice of law. When, when, when you um, think about the kind of the, the practice of law from a practitioner standpoint, mm -hmm. the people that work here, um, I remember when I was a, an intern in a, in a law firm, uh, I did my six years of service studying law, though I never, <laughs> never actually <laughs> ended up being a lawyer. No. But I, I was always amazed at, uh, you know, the quite traditional technology that <laughs> there was still mm. voice memos and there was people typing mm. up memos and so it, it's yeah. it's clear in the last twenty years that there's been a lot of change in the way that people work in a law firm. Mm. Where, what's your vision of how that's going to unfold in the next few years? Well, I I think uh, yes, there has been a lot of change over the last twenty years. There's certainly been a lot of change over the last five years. And uh, I think it's fair to say we haven't seen anything yet. You know, we're just on the cusp of a significant yeah. change. Um, now, why is that? Well, you know, we've been been through some of the sort of the the, the reasons, the the demands from clients, but also, of course, you know, technology is advancing very, very rapidly. And uh, you know, now we're 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 we're, we're spending a lot of time thinking about innovation, thinking about how we run our business, newer technologies coming along, you know, we, we, machine learning is becoming of age, we hear a lot about artificial intelligence, and there is absolutely no doubt that is going to have a significant impact on the way in which we practice law. Uh, you know, still, law will be based on the law of the land, it'll be based on the, uh, you know, the, the vast amount of expertise that our individual lawyers have. But I think how we actually, the processes of how we deliver that to our clients is the area where it's really, really going to change. And um, so just give you some, some examples around that. Um, Klein & Co, uh, again, you know, I mentioned we, we sort of focus very much on sort of the, the, the insurance law. 
Um, we do have a full service business outside of that, but uh, you know, insurance is, is one of our big sort of client bases. But we also uh, operate at what I call both ends of the market. So we deal with some of the very, very largest uh, sort of claims, that the insurance claims that, that are out there. So uh, sort of aircrafts coming down, oil spills, you know, major catastrophes we, we, we deal with. But we also uh, do a lot of volume business. So uh, our insurers um, you know, give us a lot of work around sort of, you know, base level sort of motor claims and lost baggage claims and those sorts of things. So we operate at both ends of the spectrum. Uh, you know, clearly on those very, very largest deals, um, you know, those tend to be sort of one-off. Uh, you know, lawyers um, use their expertise to actually deal with these claims. At the other end, as let's say a, a motor claim, um, you know, we are dealing with tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of these claims at any one time from insurers, well, and we can't. Very similar, very repetitive. Very similar, very repetitive. It's more of a factory type operation. And uh, you know, one thing we cannot do is, uh, is, is, is deal and handle those claims in, in the same way we will do a top-end claim. So it's almost like, as I say, a factory operation. So we need to automate a lot of that process uh, to, um, to, and, and, and technology uh, is a very, very large part of that. We're making a significant multi-million pound investment in putting in place what we call uh, sort of case management technology, which will automate a lot of uh, a, a lot of these uh, these claims that come in, applying process to it. Uh, we're even getting to a position now where, um, in, in in the days when I used to work in financial services, we called it straight through processing. So essentially, we would join our systems with our client systems, right. and we're beginning to do that in the legal world now. So, well, your uh, clients are having to face these same issues. There's absolutely. similar disruption in insurance. I mean, there's new players like Lemonade. Absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, which are, you know, I've seen the founder describe the company as primarily uh, an AI and bot yep. company. It is. Which happens yeah. to do a bit of insurance. That's right. That, that's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, we, we are grappling with, with, with some of these challenges. You're absolutely right. Uh, sort of our clients are in exactly the same space. Mm. You know, law firms, we, 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 we've, we've discussed, uh, you know, very conservative organizations. Insurers are the same. You know, they, they are struggling with exactly the same challenges. Uh, we, we actually share this uh, you know, very nice blue building with, um, with an insurance company. And uh, I'm always astounded that uh, you know, every time I walk in and out of the building, I, I, I see uh, people from this insurance company walking with huge stacks of papers under arm going to Lloyd's of London to get a signature. And you know, that, that's the way they've been conducting their business for the last 100 years. Um, and uh, so, you know, yes, we're seeing a lot of disruption or, uh, in, in, in our industry, but, but certainly uh, a, a lot of our clients are facing exactly the same things. And uh, as far as we're concerned, we see that as a real opportunity because we're thinking a lot about innovation and uh, we're having a lot of discussions with our clients um, around innovation and, you know, they're coming to us to ask us to help them with that. When, when you look at that example you gave of um, essentially managing claims, you know, what I see is you've got a spectrum of knowledge work. You've got um, some things that humans can do but are better to be automated and some things that are really very difficult to automate that are higher order activities. Yeah, yeah. Um, so people often will say that software is going to replace jobs and potentially the roles of lawyers. But this is, what you're saying is that there's actually specific activities where humans should be focusing their knowledge and expertise. I think that's right. Yeah, you know, is, is, is software, is technology going to replace the lawyer? Not anytime soon. Is it going to replace certain parts of the legal process? Absolutely it is. I'm beginning to do that. 
skills that this next generation lawyers will need then? Well, I think uh, the, the, they, they will still, you know, the, the, their, their basic skill will be their knowledge of the law. And, and, and the practice of law, you know, that that is a, a core thing which people buy from a from a law firm. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I think increasingly, uh, you know, like in a lot of professions, you know, being a, a technical expert in your profession is no longer good enough. In the same way, in in, in my world, the IT world, you know, there is a role for technical experts, but um, we're expected far more sort of rounded individuals these days. So your future lawyer. Well, yes, they will have expertise in law, but they will also have a very, very good understanding of technology in its broadest sense. And I don't necessarily, you know, I don't mean the technical aspects of how to program or, no. or anything, but, but understanding. Absolutely right. The ability to leverage it, the, the ability to you know, know how it can be used to benefit uh, you know, their day-to-day their, their -day jobs and their interaction with their clients. So I think that's going to be a critical skill. I think the whole piece around you know, communication, being able to communicate with their client, being able to, uh, you know, to, to, to provide the right level of client service. But also, I think increasingly, a lawyer is going to become... Uh, more of a trusted advisor with their clients. So my particular belief and, and the belief of our firm is that the days of selling the lawyer's, if you like, legal brain to a client by the hour to help them sort out a problem uh, are, are, are numbered, quite frankly. And uh, our clients are expecting us to be far more work with them on an ongoing basis, far more as the trusted advisor, right. as the expert, who can, as they work them on, on an ongoing basis, to actually help them to manage their business, to mitigate risk within their business, and help them through sort of the some of the challenges they've got. Because presumably this becomes more important when you actually have these machine learning platforms that can spit out answers on various positions. Uh, yes, it, it, absolutely, it can. <laughs> you yeah, need a human to kind of contextualize that. Yeah, that, that's right. But as I say, you know, there, there's no doubt machines are going to take away parts of the you know, the work that a lawyer might have done in in, in the past and uh, you know let, let me sort of give you give you an, a, a very topical example around that um, when we take on any new business from a client we have to go through a whole process of conflict checking uh, to make sure that we are not conflicted out of actually doing that piece of work so you know we, we can't in many circumstances of op act for both sides of a particular dispute or something right. like that we have no to Chinese do firewall. <laughs> well, well, that, 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 that's right. Uh, but, you know, anti-money laundering, sanction checking. So we have to go through quite a, a rigorous process before we can actually accept work, take work on. And uh, it, it happens to be a, a function that I run within this firm. So I've got 30-odd people around the world who, who spend their lives doing conflict checking. Wow. And um, at the moment, the, the analysts... Uh, who are experts in their field will 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 you know, take the instruction. They will then go to various databases, collect information, and and then sort of form a judgment as to whether there is a conflict or not, or whether we can actually act on behalf of the client or not. Now, to me, that is something which you know, quite frankly, that type of work is something which machine learning was designed to do. So we're working with uh, one of our key suppliers uh, who who provides what we call this conflict checking technology. Uh, to use machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, to do this piece of work. Because, um, you know, see, I, I believe a machine can do that just as well as a, an individual can do that. It's just sorting databases and getting information, making a judgment call on that. So we're working with this supplier to actually develop a piece of technology around this. 
So I, I fully expect within the next year, 18 months, 80% of those conflict uh, checks to actually go through a machine first. It will then just identify the more complex cases, which a human then can then intervene and make a judgment call on. And you know, which this the is machine can then learn from. which the machine can then learn from. That's absolutely <laughs> right. So, so in a year's time, eighteen months' time, eighty percent will go straight through the machine. In three years' time, probably ninety percent will, and uh, eventually we'll get to a position where probably everything can go through it. So again, you know, this is just an example of how machines can really, really, uh, you know, help out in the process of law. When you get to 100%, what do you do with those 30 people? Well, you know, they, they will go on and do other things. Uh, you know, it, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it wasn't long ago when we were you know, sending thousands of people down the mines every day to extract coal. What's happened to them now? You know, they, they, they're, they're probably going off and doing other things. Uh, you know, if you think about the advancements of technology, you know, people, we, we have a great propensity to reinvent ourselves as, as a human, human race. I hope and We'll do, do more interesting things and more areas where we can actually you know, add value. And again, you're going back to my world of IT, um, you know, the, the focus uh, not long ago is very, very much around running the data centers, running the day-to-day -day operations. You know, quite frankly, these days, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Other people can do that far better than I can. Yeah. I want to be able to focus on areas where I can really add value to this firm. And that's not running a network. Of course, it has or to be done. Absolutely <laughs> right. You know, that's essential. It has to be done. But somebody else or a machine can do that far better than, than I can. And then I can refocus my efforts on areas where I can really add value. And that's exactly the same with our lawyers. Well, discovery is another area, I think, where technology and software is making a lot of changes in the practice of law. It, 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 it certainly is, yes. And uh, I think, you know, two levels there. Again, one of the areas of the business I run is what we call litigation support, which is really e-discovery. Mm. And um, How yeah. are you using AI there now? Well, it, it, I think, it, again, very, very much in, in, in infancy. And we're working again with our providers to uh, to do a lot more around machine learning. Uh, you know, to date, machine um, litigation support, e-discovery you know, is, is really just been very, very sophisticated search technology. And there hasn't been a great deal of machine learning within that. But again, you know, moving forward, I can absolutely envisage a, a, a position where you know, machine learning will be a significant part of that. Uh, so rather than having to uh, sort of go and repeat the same search time after time after time. Every time a search is done, the machine will learn from that. And uh, it, you know, it, it will reduce the amount of new work that has to be done every time because the machine will have actually built up that, that knowledge which they can then apply to the next search. Well, one of the things that was very interesting, and I think your firm um, wrote about this recently, which was this case in the Supreme Court of Victoria, mm. Uh, where they were talking about you know the use of predictive coding and mm. discovery, yeah, and I and I think of that particular case there was like four million documents, which was yeah. you know even even when they whittled it down to a million, it was it would have taken like a you know a team of lawyers like two years to, yes. <laughs> to analyze, yeah, that's which, right, which just would have been totally cost prohibitive, yeah, in, in, indeed, that's right, and, and you know there are lots of examples like that. I, I, I'll give you another example uh, where we're using sort of machine learning. Um, we, we had a, a piece of work from a client, uh, again, it was a global insurance client, and uh, they had um, around about 50 contracts which had actually been developed by their local offices around the world, 
essentially all doing the same thing. Different languages, the, 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 the contracts had been sort of generated in different ways. So, you know, the, there might have been sort of one, one clause in a document which does, says the same thing, but it was in different places and different language, things like that. And they, what they wanted to do was to uh, centralise in a single document, which was a, uh, you know, they could use globally. Uh, so they gave us the piece of work to do. Traditionally, what we would have done is we would have uh, put a, a team of lawyers onto this. Uh, first thing we'd have to do is translate all of those documents into English. The lawyers would have gone through, they would have identified where there were you know, the same clauses but in different parts of the document and, 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 and essentially assemble a single document from these all these uh, all these various source documents. That would have taken, we estimate, probably about a month worth of effort to, to go through that process. By using a piece of artificial intelligence uh, technology, uh, that piece of work can now be done in about half an hour. Okay, so uh, you could argue the outcome using a piece of technology would, would probably be as good as, if not better, than a group of lawyers actually doing this. Now, a group now, of lawyers working for a month it would be significant fees for the firm. Well, I was going to, <laughs> I, I, I was going to come on to that. And again, you know, one of the significant challenges we have as, a, as an industry is, um, is, is sort of the commercial model around that. So are we going to charge the client who we would have charged you know, a month's worth of uh, legal time in the past, are we going to charge them for half an hour uh, worth of time? Now, clearly, that would be uh, commercial suicide. Yes. Uh, we, we, we couldn't do that. And, and realistically, I suspect our clients uh, wouldn't only expect to pay half an hour's worth of time for this at the current time. Five years' time, it may be very different. But I think the point being here is that we are going through a, a structural change in our industry. And, uh, you know, one of our challenges is to actually work out what our future business model looks like. Um, it's more of a value-based. It's going to be far more of a value-based uh, proposition going forward. As I said a moment ago, you know, about us becoming the trusted advisor, the thought leader with our clients working alongside them. Our, our commercial model needs to be based on that rather than, as say, selling that legal brain by the hour to the client. So some of the, you know, these are some of the very, very interesting challenges we've got. And you know, it might be that we need to actually look at our whole cost structure of our business um, going forward as well, because you know, we've got certain fixed costs at the moment, and uh, which, and so, so we're gonna have to, you know, we'll have to challenge that and uh, you know, work out what is the right business model going forward. I think even the, the, the law clerks in the 17th century England used to get paid by the page. Yeah, so yeah. When you look yeah. at some of the old documents, you see ginormous handwriting. Not surprising. Absolutely right. That that's right. That's right. But it's uh, you know it, it, these are challenging times we, we we've got, and uh, you know there's an awful lot uh, uh, we we need to work our way through, and um, and and you know, quite frankly change the structure of our business to to accommodate. Well, one of the other things that that I think is complicated by technology is that a lot of this. Technology is, is becoming widely available to, you know, even a suburban lawyer. Yeah. Um, so how do you start to build a competitive position around intellectual property when everyone has the access to the same tools? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think, um, yeah, it, 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 it's all very well having access to the tools. It's knowing what to do with it. So, you know, these days, if you want, you know, want to find out anything, you can go to, you can Google it and you generally you can find out the answer. Uh, so if you want to know something about the law, um, you can you you can go and Google you you can find out something about it, but it's actually knowing what how to use an information. It doesn't make you a QC. That's absolutely right. 
And um, so I, I think you know, there, there will always be the role for sort of the expert in a, in a, in a subject. You, know, you can, I don't know, Google how to replaster your front room and you can watch a YouTube video. It doesn't mean so you can do it. Well, if yeah. anything, those videos are creating more work for builders for fixing the problem. Well, absolutely right, absolutely right. So I, I think you know, that, that is, that, that, that's a key part of it. The, the other thing I would say is that our business increasingly is a data-driven business. You know, we sit on a vast amount of data in our business and we believe there's a significant amount of value in that data uh, if we can actually learn how to mine it, analyze it and present it back to our clients in a way which really adds value to them. So, for example, um, go back to uh, the, the point about the, uh, the insurance market. Uh, an insurer will have a large amount of data in their business, but it will only be their client base. We are the largest insurance-focused law firm in the world, so we have significantly more wider range of data than, uh, than, than one individual insurer. So if we can actually mine that, analyze it, and present it a market position back to an insurance company rather than just their own individual uh, insurance firm um, position, we believe there's a lot of value in that. So, uh, you know, helping them with claims to understand claims, fraud, and all those sorts of things. So, again, increasingly, this is an area we're beginning to focus on. And this is powerful when it comes to machine learning as well, because these out learning algorithms are only as good as the data you feed them. So, indeed, the, the one with the most best and richest data yeah. will have the best um, insights driven by these algorithms. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, you know, I think you know, we have to remember that that data was always there. But I think with the advance in technology, it's now a lot easier to get access to that data and, as I say, to analyse that data. And that's where machine learning is really coming into it. When you think about Clyde & Co's own transformation path, what mm. are some of the things that you feel that you need to change or invest in in the next couple of years in order to, I guess, make that dream a reality? Yeah, well, I think there are probably two areas. You know, If we look initially internally, it's how we run our business. It's how we can um, you know, how we can gain efficiencies around that. And we've talked about sort of case management, processing vast volumes in a more factory type environment. Um, we've talked about sort of doing our conflict checking. So, so there's lots of ways in which we can actually use technology to basically improve the efficiency and uh, reduce the cost of our business. And again, you know, a part of that is you know, where we're located. If you think about um, where our major offices are, they're in London, they're in San Francisco, they're in New York, they're in Dubai, they're in Singapore, they're in Hong Kong, they're in Sydney, all of the most expensive places in the world. <laughs> and uh, you know, when your firm is dependent upon attracting the best lawyers in the world, you need to house them in very nice accommodation like this in the city of London. But uh, a, when a proportion of your business is being done machined by machines, Machines don't care where they live. They can be anywhere in the world. So again, you know, that's an, an opportunity we've got to actually look at our cost base uh, around accommodation. So I think you know, internally, technology is going to significantly change the way in which we conduct our business. But I think looking outside and how we're actually using that technology with our clients, it's again all around the value we can add to our clients by giving them access to a lot of the data we actually sit on and how we communicate with our clients as well and how we you know, work alongside them, as I say, in this trusted advisory type role rather than just sort of selling that legal brain by the hour.
the human thing actually becomes more important the more data the more information that you have access to it the does complexity of actually really drives the demand for that human connection uh, uh, it, it, it does indeed yes and uh, you know, again sort of the, the way in which the market is moving you know, in, in the past you would have a problem you'd come to us I would field a, a legal expert they would help you sort out that problem but as you say this ongoing relationship um, it's being a technical lawyer is not good enough you need to be more than just a technical lawyer and uh, as uh, I, I've already said sort of in the same way in, in, in my IT people it's no longer good enough being a technical specialist or a highly qualified engineer in delivering an IT service it's all of the softer skills around it it's all the advisory skills consultancy skills the interaction communication you know that that is becoming as important, probably more important going forward. So if you were a young uh, law student thinking about joining the profession mm. in the next few years, given the significant changes that are coming in mm. the next decade, what would you best focus on? What are the kinds of skills and capabilities and attitudes that you think are going to be critical to 21st yeah, century? Yeah, well, that, you know, that, that's a very interesting question because there's a big debate going on at the moment about uh, you know, the, the, the role of the law school. Um, certainly UK law schools, uh, you go through a law school, you will spend pretty well 100% of your time learning about the law and uh, that's it. Is that actually going to equip you to be you know, the, the, the brilliant lawyer in the future? Well, arguably not, it, because it doesn't tell you anything about uh, technology, it doesn't tell you anything about client relationship management, it doesn't teach you anything about running a business, which is a partner of a law firm, you, you are an owner of, the, of a business. So it doesn't equip you with the skills you need to, uh, for, for your future profession. And the argument is, no, it doesn't. Uh, we, and, and there's quite a lot of resistance from traditional law schools to actually accept that. Uh, U.S. law schools, I think, are slightly ahead. Uh, so um, places like Harvard, I was recently involved uh, in uh, some work with Miami Law School. Uh, they run a program there called Law Without Walls. Um, and, and, and that is really getting newly qualified or trainee lawyers to think about the legal profession from a very, very disruptive point of view. And I must say, I was, you know, I was blown away by some of the... Uh, some of the, um, the, the, the things they were thinking about. I, I was lucky enough to uh, be invited to be a judge uh, of this Law Without Walls um, um, uh, program. And uh, basically they're taking groups of, of, of young lawyers uh, from around the world, giving them topics to work on and expecting them to actually come up with uh, ideas on how they can actually deliver a, a, a different service to, to, to clients, all involving the law, obviously. And uh, not only did they have to come up with the idea, but they also had to develop a business plan around it, how they were going to fund it, how they are going to market it. And uh, yeah, I was yeah, absolutely blown away, away by some of the ideas. People are out there, um, and uh, I think the challenge we've got is just to make sure they don't come into a law firm and be conditioned into a traditional <laughs> thinking of, of law firms. And uh, Clyde & Co, we are actively looking to get these innovative, disruptive people into our business to actually help us prepare for the future. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, it's a very exciting and dynamic area. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Good to see you.
You've been listening to Between Worlds. For more episodes and information on how to subscribe to our podcast, please visit www.mike-walsh.com slash betweenworlds.